This is the Talk of Fame Network, featuring Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges from the Boston Herald, Rick Gosselin of the Dallas Morning News, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. And now, let the debates begin. Who is a Hall of Famer? Will they be enshrined in Canton? Do they have the numbers to get in? Let the experts who make the decision tell you who will be signing their name with HOF next to it. And now, it's the Talk of Fame Network. Welcome to another week of Three and In, otherwise known as the Talk of Fame Network. I'm Clark, along with Rick and Ron, and together we have you standing in the Hall of Fame by taking you behind the scenes for insights into the players, plays, the coaches, everything going on past and present that makes the NFL compelling. And today, well, today we're going to talk to the first Hispanic quarterback and head coach, Tom Flores, as part of Hispanic Heritage Month, and get his take on why he's not in Canton. We'll also talk to Jen Welter, female assistant who joined friend of the show, Bruce Arians staff in Arizona this summer, and hear from Bob Kravitz of WTHR in Indianapolis, who broke Deflategate and can fill us in on what to expect in Deflategate Part 2 this week when the Colts and Patriots meet. But first, let's take a tour of what's happening around the league. And a week ago, guys, we started our show by talking about the coaching change in Miami. That's Miami as in Dolphins. Now let's hear about the coaching changes at USC as in Southern Cal and South Carolina and what impact it might have on the NFL. Rick, I'm going to start with you. If you're the ADs at these, at these schools, I mean, whom do you interview for the job? Do you go to the NFL? Oh, I'd keep an eye on Philadelphia and see what direction the Eagles season is headed. You know, Chip Kelly has remade the roster, getting rid of all Andy Reid's pro bowlers and bringing in his own players and his own style of play. If he struggles with those players and that philosophy, he may decide to bail on the NFL early, just as Lou Holtz, Steve Spurrier, Nick Saban, and Bobby Petrino did. You know, all found out it's easier to win on Saturdays than it is on Sundays. Ron, I'm with Goose on this one. I would think any high-profile job, especially on the West Coast where you're a C is, would have to include Chip Kelly, too. Is that the guy you target? Yeah, I think, as you mentioned, especially uh, USC, where... Uh, they obviously have a dilemma of a situation there, and it's been a while since uh, since B. Carroll left, and they could get it going. And and you know everybody knows Chip out there in the Pac-12. Recruiting would be fairly easy for him. The only question would be, you know, can he win in Los Angeles without uh, Phil Knight's Nike money, which he had in overflowing fashion in Oregon. So be interesting to see. Well, Goose, I want to come back to what you said earlier about uh, some of these coaches who went to the NFL and then left. Uh, you mentioned uh, Lou Holtz. Saban, Petrino, Spurrier. Uh, I guess you could add Jim Harbaugh, too, but I mean, at least he stuck around for four years in San Francisco. And, and Harbaugh I do get because at least he went to the Super Bowl. But why are so many others so quick to pull the ripcord on the NFL? I think Petrino lasted, what, only 13 games in Atlanta? Okay, Spurrier, Petrino, and Kelly were all offensive gurus in college. They built offense that rolled over defenses on Saturdays. You know, the best players in a college game all play offense. But what they discovered in the NFL is that they have 11 All-Americas on defense, too. So the yards and the points don't come as easy in the NFL as they do in the NCAA, so they return to their comfort zone, the colleges, where they can again be geniuses. Okay, well, we're going to stay tuned with that subject. Uh, Ron, I want to move forward to my favorite topic and yours, Deflategate. We have part two this week when your Patriots go to Indianapolis, and you go there as well. I mean, everyone 
including me, is expecting another ripple effect here, except one of a different sort than what we're talking about with the coaches. Patriots dropping the hammer on the team that blew the whistle on them. Is that uh, basically what you're expecting? Uh, yeah, I mean, there may be a little extra incentive, obviously, uh, but you know, one has to be careful about these things. You can't get too emotional. It leads to a lot of mistakes, poor execution. And if you're not careful, it leads to your own execution. Tom Brady's already said this week, which I thought was a valid point, we try to score every series, every week, every game. You know, we don't go out there any series and say, well, we don't want to score this series. So his point being, what's the difference? And I kind of believe that, he, that he's telling the truth there. Now, I expect Belichick to stand up at their Saturday night team meeting before the game and pull out a bag load of flat footballs or, uh, you know, rerun national uh, commentators like Brian uh, uh, Williams shaking his finger at, uh, at Tom Brady. So uh, I imagine that'll happen. Does it matter? Probably not. Yeah, you mentioned what's the difference to me, Ronnie. What the difference is? This is the team that blew the whistle on. That's the difference. No, I understand, but it's but that it, you know by implication by saying it's going to make a difference in 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 them, then you're saying that the games they go into where they don't want to score every time they have the ball, and I don't don't think that that's the case for them. But okay, you know, uh, makes for a Goose, good week. You know, you look at the last four games these guys played. Patriots dropped 45, 42, 43, and fifty nine on these guys. Anyway, that changes this time. Yeah, if the Colts can find a way to pressure Brady like the Cowboys did in the first half last week. You know, he got paranoid. The ball is coming out there so quick. When it comes out that quick, you limit your big plays. The Colts need a pass rush. Speaking about quick, Goose, we're going quickly to commercial. When we return, we're going to hear from former quarterback and head coach Tom Flores on why he's not in the Hall of Fame. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC.com. If your computer runs slowly, and whose computer doesn't, just go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software to cure what may be ailing your PC. That's MyCleanPC.com. Two days ago, Jeff McDonald posted the following. Just watch the sunrise from above the clouds. So stoked. Jeff got 19 likes and 7 comments. Not bad, Jeff. Geico has a comment to add that may make you even more stoked. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on car insurance by switching to GEICO. And if that doesn't put your head above the clouds, you'll have the extra money to scale a peak that will. Hashtag on cloud nine. Hashtag savings. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, it's not enough to go on a weekend jog. Nowadays, so-called fun runs have barbed wire, mud bogs, and flaming hoops. Can poison blow darts be far behind? But Motel 6 is a safe stop in the long or short run. Always a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Book online at motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Ow, was that a blow? Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equalizing lender license in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. This is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank hearing pitches from small businesses. Now there is a new way for small businesses to get a loan in minutes. It's called Cabbage. That's Cabbage with a K. Just fill out the application online. You'll get an instant decision and could have access to a line of credit of up to $100,000. No waiting, no hassle. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and is a Forbes Top 100 company. Go to Cabbage.com, that's Cabbage with a K, K K-A-B-B-A-G-E, or call 888-CABBAGE. 
Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Gosselin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winner. Only two men in NFL history won Super Bowls as a player, assistant coach, and head coach. And we're proud to have one of them, Tom Flores, visiting with us today. Tom owns four Super Bowl rings, the last two coming when he was head coach of the Oakland Raiders in Super Bowls 15 and 18. His 87 victories as Raiders head coach are second only to the man he replaced, John Madden, and he's one of only 20 players to have played in the NFL for the entire 10 years of his existence. He's also the first Hispanic coach and first minority coach to win a Super Bowl, which he did in the 1980 season, but like many of his achievements, that seems to have been lost in the pages of history. But not here and not now, because we're proud and happy to welcome Tom Flores to the show. Sounds well, good. Tom, I like yeah, that. there you go. Pretty good resume, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, who is that guy? Oh, that's me. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, but I believe your pro football career started with the Packers, and that would be the Salinas Packers of the Pacific Football League. And I'm wondering, what kept you playing after not getting a chance in uh, 58 in the, in the Canadian Football League and again in 59 uh, with the Redskins? What, what kept you going? Well, it, the, 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 uh, the spark was still there. You know, I hurt myself at my senior year. And when I went to Canada, I, I went with a sore shoulder and uh, got released, had surgery, started trying with the Redskins. It was way too early, so I just couldn't even lift my arm. So that's it. I gave, gave up even the thought of playing football, went back for my Masters. And I did play with the Bakersfield Spoilers in those days. I got $100 a game. Behind, <laughs> they had to take me behind. They had to take me behind the building and pay me because they weren't paying the other guys. So, And I continued my graduate work at the College of Pacific, but then, uh, you know, I, I was getting ready to take a position with a high school as a coach in uh, my hometown area of Fresno, which is close to my hometown. And all of a sudden, this thing called American Football League started up. And they called me, and I said, well, you know, I don't owe anybody. I don't own a car. Uh, I'll give it another shot and see what happens. I can always teach coach the rest of my life, so I'll, I'll see what happens. And that was 1960. So a lot of things happened since then. Hey, Tom, uh, you, of course, won the two Super Bowls, and you hear people say you can't write the history of pro football without the name of Tom Flores, the first Hispanic starting quarterback, first Hispanic coach to win a Super Bowl. Do you ever wonder why you aren't in the Hall of Fame, and do you give it much thought? Yes, I do. I have to be honest with you. I do uh, wonder because, you know, and I, without mentioning names, other people that are that are in the Hall, and, you know, I, I, you know, I felt that I have accomplished a lot in my career. It's been a long career. Winning two Super Bowls uh, as a head coach, one in Oakland and one in L.A. I've lived in a hotel for 14 months in doing so. Uh, and working for Al Davis alone, I should be in the, in the Hall of Fame, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but even even when I, when Al and I would get together, and he was my biggest my biggest backer, but he said maybe that's the wrong thing for me to do is back you. I seem to get overshadowed in his shadow. You know, Al was such a, a dynamic personality that a lot of things, uh, it was never my team, it was always his team. And that's, you know, that's just the way it was. I accepted that, but I didn't, you know, I don't accept what the facts uh, prove. You know, it, it's, it's kind of confusing and frustrating at times, but what am I going to do? I, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a voter. I, you know, I just, uh, uh, I, I coach for the Raiders. I still do the radio broadcast with the Raiders, a long time, uh, 
a lot of first things that I did in this league that were the first things in this league. We're with former quarterback and head coach Tom Flores on the Talk of Fame Network. And, Tom, we are Hall of Fame voters. And for the record, we're confused and frustrated by it, too. But I want to ask you, 68% of the players and 87% of the coaches in the Hall of Fame played or coached in a league championship or on a Super Bowl winning team. Is too much emphasis placed on that final game when it comes to the Hall of Fame? Well, I think so, maybe. Uh, I think because, you know, there's some players that never played in the championship, never became uh, world champions, that were great players. Uh, you know, that's but it's just a matter of where they played and what team they played for. So I'm not sure that should be the total criteria, but it should have something. You know, you know I always felt that great players make big plays in big games. Coaches make big big decisions in big games. You know, that's the, the nature of their profession, the nature of their personality. And uh, that's how they get recognized sometimes by doing those things in big games. Sometimes you, you get lost if you don't make the uh, the, the final dance uh, of the season. And, you know, there's only two quarterbacks, two coaches that make it to that final game. And uh, it's not easy to do, as, as people have found out. Well, you and I, of course, uh, Tom, were together for quite a while in Oakland, so we both got to know Al, uh, you differently than me, obviously. And I'm just wondering, uh, he was a brilliant guy, as, as we both know, uh, also a difficult guy. What was life like with Al when you were a player, and how did it change when you became a coach working under him? Well, when I played with him, I first met him in 63 when he came to Oakland and changed everything around. And, and uh, I had one of my best years in 63, uh, and we had come off a one-game one win season. But and he all of a sudden brought back some credibility, brought some credibility to Oakland. And I liked his style because it was based on throwing the ball down the field. And so I enjoyed playing for him. And he, he made me a tougher quarterback. I had to hang in the pocket. I could get rid of the ball quicker. And, but you have to realize in those days, you know, it's a different environment those days that the percentage game of passing was non-existent. That it was, you know, you threw for yardage and touchdowns. Uh, so if you were in the high 40s, that was a pretty good percentage uh, of, of passers. And plus, you didn't throw 50 times a game like they're doing nowadays. So it's, it's a different era. And I, I think that's where some of the confusion comes in, to be honest with you. When you think about how uh, what you look at, don't, you shouldn't compare the, the, uh, the different eras because there's no way that the quarterback of then can compare with these guys of today because it's a passing world nowadays. You should compare with what happened then and put it, you know, put it in its right perspective. Tom, you replaced a guy who became a football icon, John Madden. Did you ever dream Madden football would become bigger than coaching football? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, when John, when John was coaching, uh, you know, John was a character. And, you know, he was, had a, a thing with flying. It was kind of sad to watch, you know, his last year because he got more and more uh, insecure about on an airplane. But he had a marvelous career. Uh, John was, a, was really a good game day coach. Uh, and, uh, you know, I never knew the pressure that he was under uh, as a coach until I coached with for Al. And uh, Al was uh, different with the head coach than he was with the players or a uh, the assistant coaches. He put a lot of pressure on the head coach because that was it. We were the ones who were responsible. But I never thought that John was ready to, to hang it up yet. I thought, you know, that he had years ahead of him, but that last year you could see that he was tiring, and uh, 
And then all of a sudden he comes up with it. You know, he did such a great job of broadcasting. And he got on that bus, never got off that bus. And uh, <laughs> he, he, he developed a personality. And, and uh, now look at him. I mean, it's just Madden it's football, the bus uh, stories, you know. He just had a marvelous career. His career was really got bigger after he got out of football. We're with former quarterback and coach Tom Flores on the Talk of Fame Network bus. And Tom, question about today's Raiders. How gratifying is it to see the Oakland Raiders back on the map? And is the NFL a better place with the Raiders being relevant now? I think so. I, I really do. You know, when, when you look at the glory of this, this franchise and how it became one of the, these franchises of, of, of note, Monday Night Football was just magical for the Raiders. I think during, during John and my career, I think we only lost like two or three Monday Night games. Uh, and uh, that was 19 years of football. Uh, so, uh, you know, to see them win and, and, and get some prominence going and get some... So there's light at the end of the tunnel for them. And I think that's really good because the uh, the Raiders need to be relevant again in the National Football League. We have so many fans all over all over the country, West Coast, East Coast. They need to be relevant again. Is it the quarterback that's changed thing? You know, it seems to be, as you pointed out earlier, such a league now where if you don't have a quarterback, as our friend Dave McGinnis says, you're just playing rugby. Uh, and now it looks like you all have a quarterback. Is that really the difference between this team and some of the other teams? I think it is. I think it's a big difference because if you don't have that guy, then, then it doesn't matter who the other guys are because he's not going to get the job done for you. And I think the Raiders, unfortunately, in the last 10 years have made some dramatic you know, mistakes in drafted quarterbacks, Jamarcus Russell being one of them. When you make a mistake with your number one draft choice, especially the guy, the first guy taken in the draft, uh, you, uh, you set your team back. Uh, and any number one, especially a quarterback, and they just haven't done a good job. In the last three or four years, the Raiders have done a better job drafting. Uh, and, you know, Reggie McKenzie is doing a good job. And right now, Jack Del Rio is, uh, is, seems to have good control of this team. And, uh, they're young. They're still young. The quarterback's only his second year. The running backs in his third year. The corners are all young. Everybody in the defensive backfield is young except for, for, uh, Charles Wilson. And look what he's still doing. What a warrior he is. So it's, it's kind of, it's fun to see them learning how to win again. And Jack, when he came in, he said, We're, we've got to change this the atmosphere around here, and he's done a lot to do it. And even though they they still don't know where they're going to be playing next year or the year after, but, but they're, uh, they do know that there's a silver and black again. Tom, can they sustain it? I don't know that. I don't know if they're deep enough to do that. Uh, you know, I, I really don't know. That's the, the big question right now. Playing Denver at home, that'll be a big game. I mean, that'll be a huge game uh, for not only, you know, for the public, but and the Raider fans, but for the players, because this will be the first really big game that they've had to win in a long, long time. And uh, if anything will make you grow up fast, it's a game like that. Hey, Tom, we've, we've got about 30 seconds left. I want to ask you a quick question here. Ron, next okay. February, will try to make the Hall of Fame case for Ken Stabler. What would you uh-huh. want voters to know about Kenny, and why do you think he belongs in the Hall of Fame? I think when you look at Kenny Stabler, you look what he did for the Raiders. How many times we were in playoffs, how many times we were in big games, we won big games, and, and unfortunately lost big games. Uh, how consistent he was. Uh, what a great personality he was. Uh, and 
you know, like I said, I don't like to compare to other people, but it, there's some people that are there that didn't even do half of what he did. And, and I don't know. It's To me, it's a mystery why he's not in there. Hey, Tom, thanks for the time. And hopefully we'll see you again in Canton and not as a spectator, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I know that. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the interview. And, and uh, Godspeed. Thanks, thanks Tom. Tom. Thanks, Tom. That was former Raiders quarterback and coach Tom Flores. Up next, we're going to talk about why he may be not going to Canton and what the obstacles are for him to clear. We're also going to hear from Dr. Data. This is the Talk of Fame Network. One more reminder that we're brought to you by MyCleanPC. By now, you should know that if your computer is running slowly, you should go to MyCleanPC.com for a free analysis. In minutes, you can download MyClean computer software to clean out what's bogging down your computer. That's MyCleanPC.com. If your computer is running slow, go to MyCleanPC.com and get a free computer diagnosis. In minutes, you can activate MyCleanPC software to clean out the junk that may be slowing down your computer. Increase your computer speed today with MyCleanPC.com. That's MyCleanPC.com. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at SimpleGreen.com. As an entrepreneur, you're always on the go. So turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Get a new business number or keep your current one. Sound professional with a main greeting and multiple extensions that forward callers to your mobile phone. You can even get voicemails transcribed. Join over 150,000 small businesses who stay connected with Grasshopper. See how it works at grasshopper.com. The entrepreneur's phone system. Only Wendy's makes a deal feel like a meal. Introducing the new four for four. Four bucks for the junior bacon cheeseburger with freshly cooked applewood smoked bacon. Four all white meat nuggets and natural cut sea salt fries and drink. That's right. Just four bucks for a junior bacon cheeseburger, nuggets, fries, and a drink. That's one beefy, cheesy, sizzling, crispy, icy deal. Get more. Get four for four. Now at Wendy's. Offer includes small fries and drink. At participating Wendy's for limited time. Prices may vary. Offer not valid in Alaska and Hawaii. Football fans, get your Luxon and win at Luxor Las Vegas. Get in the game with first-string shows like Fantasy, The Strip's Sexiest Adult Review, Carrot Top, and Chris Angel Believe from Cirque du Soleil. Or tackle your hunger at restaurants like Public House, featuring comfort food, 20 brews on tap, and 30 flat panel TVs. LAX Nightclub helps you make all the right plays with the hottest resident DJs. When game time is done, our comfortable rooms and suites are the perfect end zone. Visit Luxor.com today. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Advance Auto Parts and Car Quest. Great products, great people, and great prices. That's Advance Auto Parts and Car Quest. Also brought to you by Geico. That's Geico, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. You know, some of the guys, uh, Tom Flores, pretty emphatic there that he believes he belongs in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And, Ronnie, I know you believe he belongs, too, because you pushed him for Kent in a story you wrote for our website. That would be talkoffamenetwork.com. And I had appeared earlier this year. So I'll start with Rick. Goose, you buying or selling stock in Tom Flores' Hall of Fame candidacy? I know where Ron stands. What about you? Well, I'm selling in just about all coaches until they, as a group, are moved to the contributor category. That's where they belong. Keep all the players in one group 
and put all the non-players in another group. The men who crossed the white lines and stepped onto the field should be kept apart from the men who did not cross that line and earn their keep in the NFL with their minds, not their bodies. I think that would move Flores, George Seifert, and Jimmy Johnson up in the queue, improve their chances, and also give Dan Reeves, Marty Schottenheimer, and Chuck Knox a chance to have their candidacies heard. Goose, I didn't hear you mention Don Correo. Would it give him a chance to be heard as well? I mean, his case is heard anyway because he's a finalist. Would it give him a better well, chance to get in the hall? Sure, yeah, but Flores, Seifert, and Johnson all have the rings. Correo does right. not. He'd go in that group with Reeves, Schottenheimer, and Knox. Okay, hey, Ronnie, I, I mentioned how you made the case for Flores earlier this year, and you did. And he did a good job. It was a compelling story. But he went on later in his career to Seattle where he really didn't have any success. And I know Goose had asked you about this, I think, when we addressed it on the show months ago. But had he not gone there, do you think he'd be in the hall now? I mean, do you think that's an obstacle that's going to prevent him from getting in, period? Well, Clark, I do think it's an obstacle. I, I don't think it, it probably is keeping him. what's keeping him out. You know, we've come to learn that even winning two Super Bowls as a coach is now not a Hall of Fame a lock. And when you combine that, you know, uh, in my mind, you combine those two Super Bowls with his uh, his record in Oakland and his historic position uh, as both the first Hispanic head coach and starting quarterback in NFL history, it seems right. difficult to deny him because, it's, after all, isn't the Hall of Fame about history and preservation? But Seattle did hurt him. Uh, had he stayed the president's seat, I don't think people would really think twice about it. But he made the mistake of coming back to the sidelines, and he didn't win. And now that's an albatross uh, around his neck. Uh, no question about that. Ron, I'm glad you point out again, head coach and starting quarterback, because, Goose, I'm going to go back to you here and point out something that our listeners may not know, and that's namely that while Flores was, as Ron said, an outstanding player, quarterback, and an outstanding head coach, the two do not combine to really make one candidate. In other words, you either go in as a coach or you go in as a player, not both. And, and Goose, take it away from there. You can Yeah, explain. the Hall of Fame wants to pigeonhole all candidates as one position specific. George Hallis was both a player and a coach, but his playing career, playing career was ignored and he was enshrined as a coach. Dick LeBeau was both a Pro Bowl player and a coach, but his coaching career was ignored and he was enshrined as a player. But LeBeau was what I'd call a body of work candidate. I think in the minds of the voters, what, we'd, what he did as a coach weighed just as heavily as what he did as a player. The same with John Madden. What he did in life after football with his video game and TV commentary, I think, weighed just as heavily as what he did as a coach. Buck O'Killer would be another classic body of work candidate for what he did on the field and in the front office. Tom Flores, same way. Discounting his contributions as a player would be a disservice to his contributions to the game of football as a whole. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I don't, I've never quite understood that uh, need to uh, exclude crazy. a part of a guy's career you know, if, in fact— uh, it was exemplary. You know, you, they don't seem to exclude it if it's not exemplary, you know. So it's just it's just kind of very <laughs> right. odd to me. I, I've never understood it, you know. I mean, uh, you know, Buck O'Kilroy, you mentioned, I mean, he's a tremendous example of that. Uh, and I'm sure there are others if we start to put our heads together and think about it. But, you know, a lot of things that the Hall of Fame a Board of Trustees has done. That I scratch my head a lot when I'm in Canton, yeah. and I don't have head lice. It's just odd, <laughs> odd, odd stuff out there. You know? Well, I don't normally say this, Ron, but I agree with you on this. Whoa! I, I, yeah, I don't. I mean, Goose used the word disservice. I, I agree with him. I mean, I, I think a candidate should be considered a candidate, period. I mean, if a guy plays the game well and serves it well as a coach, head coach, whatever, administrator, something else, I, I think that should make his candidacy that much more compelling. So, yeah, I, I'd admit that, you know, Dick LeBeau, uh, he, was a, he was a terrific player. 
He was a terrific coach. So let's put him in based on both. I, Goose, I go back to what you just said. The service, I think that's absolutely appropriate. Yeah, the, the game is changing, and the Hall of Fame has to catch up with the change. Yeah. John Elway and Ozzie Newsom became Hall of Fame players who went on to, be, went on to become accomplished general managers. Mike Ditka was a Hall of Fame player who went on to become an accomplished coach. Dan Reeves was an accomplished player and an accomplished coach. When players retire, they don't walk away from football anymore. A greater number are staying in the game in some capacity. We're not that far off from a Hall of Fame player becoming an owner of a team. The body of work candidate is going to become more commonplace, I believe. Well, you mentioned Buck Kilroy earlier, both of you, but Ron, you did as well. And I want to get to him because, Goose, as you know, we're on the contributor committee, and he was a contributor candidate this year. And he's got a terrific background. But as you pointed out, he wasn't just a marvelous talent evaluator. He was a pretty good player, too. And, Ron, I know if you feel strongly about him, you knew him, you wrote about him, but he's a compelling candidate. But, again, because of both, he was a player and he was involved as an administrator or Italian evaluator. And I think that counts. It should count. Oh, no, I, I agree, Clark. You're right. I mean, I knew Bucko for many, many years. He was a friend of mine. I once wrote a, a column, you know, trying to make the case for him. This is a number of years ago. And got all these... Le- letters in sort of scratchy old man handwriting, you know, perfect right. uh, Palmer method handwriting. Uh, all of what's saying, that guy kicked me in the cojones. That guy choked me in the throat because he's a bit of a dirty player. So I took him to Bucko. He thought it was the funniest thing ever. You know? <laughs> but here's a guy who was an all-decade player in the 40s. He was a coach uh, in the league. He then really was the, the mastermind of the Dallas drafting system, even though he doesn't get as much credit for it as he deserves. Uh, I mean, uh, why can't you count all those things? Why do right. you have to say, well, okay, we'll take out this, we'll take out this? I mean, that's well, silly. Goose, quick question for you. Speaking about counting on something or counting for something, shouldn't the fact that Tom Flores was the first Hispanic head coach who won a Super Bowl and the first Hispanic quarterback to win a Super Bowl ring, shouldn't that count for something, too, in terms of Hall of Fame? Oh, he was a backup quarterback. He, if he had won Super I don't Bowl care, but he was still, Chiefs, he got a ring. If he'd won the game for the Chiefs, he'd have a stronger argument. His case, we built on the historical aspect of two Super Bowl rings as a Hispanic coach. Well, that means it's time to hear from our resident fact man. Yep, that's our Dr. Data, a.k.a. Rick Goslin. And Goose, I understand today you could got, uh, you got a message for Dan Campbell, coach of the Miami Dolphins, and it's not necessarily good news. Yes, Clark, he enters an exclusive fraternity this week. The Miami Dolphins, of course, fired Joel Philbin after a disappointing one and three start to their season, and Campbell was named to replace him, moving up from his position as tight end coach. Don Coriel... Marty Schottenheimer, Marv Levy, Art Schell, and Jeff Fisher, and more, most recently, Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles all got their starts as NFL head coaches with an interim tag. There's, but there's an even more exclusive fraternity Campbell hopes to join, those who manage to win as interim coaches. Replacing a coach in season is usually deployed to jumpstart a team, an attempt to turn underachievers into achievers, but it rarely works. There have been 85 such coaches since 1960, but only 17 managed to win more games than they lost during their stints as interims. Only seven managed to rally their teams to division titles, and only one captured a championship. The first one, Wally Lem, way back in 1961 with Houston. Lem inherited an Oilers team that was 1-3-1, but took them on a 9-0 run to close the season on the way to an AFL title. The king of the interim coaches, Wade Phillips, who served three stints with three different franchises, Atlanta, New Orleans, and Houston. 
but his combined record in those three stints was three and seven. The Falcons, Colts, and Chargers all share the league lead with six interim coaches. Ron's Patriots have had five, including Mike Holovac and Raymond Berry. Campbell is the only the third interim in Dolphins history joining Jim Bates and Todd Bowles. They were a combined five and five during their interim strengths. Campbell has two weeks to prepare for his first start because the Dolphins had their bye last Sunday. History says he'll need every bit of those two weeks. The task facing him and all interim coaches is monumental. I'm wondering, uh, uh, Goose, obviously the stats as always are compelling, and I'm just sort of wondering, is part of the problem that these interim coaches face the fact that the players don't take them seriously? It's sort of like substitute teachers. It's, you know, <laughs> Clark's launching the spitballs at the back of the guy's head. Doing <laughs> Ron, you've been around football a long time. You know the only people players take seriously are owners and winning coaches. That's about it. Ryan Tannehill, Adamakon Sue, and Jarvis Landry know they'll be working out the Dolphins facility a lot longer than Dan Campbell will be. Hey, Goose, sort of simple question for you here, but doesn't Dan Campbell have something other in history working against him? <laughs> Essentially, that this team just isn't very good. Clark, without question, if this was a good team, Dan Campbell would still be the tight ends coach on a staff still headed by Joe Philbin. Joe Philbin's not there, and you know what? We're not going to stick around much longer anyway because <laughs> I see Derek's waving. We got a commercial. When we return, Ron's going to tell us why Clark Shaughnessy should be going to the Hall of Fame. And I'll second that, guys. I'm all in for anyone named Clark. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. This is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank hearing pitches from small businesses. Now, there is a new way for small businesses to get a loan in minutes. It's called Cabbage. That's Cabbage with a K. Just fill out the application online. You'll get an instant decision and could have access to a line of credit of up to $100,000. No waiting, no hassle. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and is a Forbes Top 100 company. Go to cabbage.com, that's cabbage with a K, K-A-B-B-A-G-E, or call 888-CABBAGE. It's Lisa G here. Hey, I think you're all beautiful. I love you guys, and I'll bet a lot of you out there have acne. I feel your pain. It's embarrassing, and you're thinking, how on earth can I get rid of it, right? One word, proactive. I'm telling you, prescription-grade proactive heals your acne and even prevents future breakouts. How great is that? There's a reason why so many celebrities use proactive. Their faces are their money. It's time to get it because proactive has set up a special dedicated 800 number for my listeners. So get ready to punch that number into your phone. Pull over if you have to. Here's the deal. 1995 gets you proactive, plus a rotating deep cleansing brush. It's valued at $45, and it's yours free. So is the shipping. For only $19.95, you, my friends, are guaranteed to get clear and stay clear, or you'll get your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call for a lifetime of beautiful skin. Tell them Lisa G sent you. Call 1-800-644-5944. The following was recorded at a Burger King drive-thru at breakfast. Morning, welcome to Burger King. Let me get a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant. Sure, right now they're two for four dollars, but is that how you say that? Yeah, croissant. Where I'm from, we say croissant. Try that. Croissant. Wow, that took you two seconds. Took me years of practice. I'm not you. Piled high with thick-cut bacon or savory sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted cheese. Get two sandwich breakfast sandwiches for just four dollars, only at Burger King. Limited time only. Price and participation vary. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. 
Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC.com. Your computer runs slowly. Let's be honest, guys. Whose computer doesn't? Just go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software to cure what may be ailing your computer. That's MyCleanPC.com. Guys, before we go further, um, why don't we tell our listeners about a change that was made uh, earlier this month in the Hall of Fame's voting process. I know it's a minor one, and people probably don't care. Nevertheless, it's a change that could, and I'm saying could, have an impact on who gets in. Goose, you want to explain? Yeah, there's actually two minor changes. First, the Hall is going to allow club employees to serve as voters, which is logical because so many of the good beat writers like Jeff Hobson, Michael Herr, yep. and Jimmy Wyatt have been hired away by teams to write for their website. But the Hall also has opened the door to Hall of Famers who now work in the media, broadcasters such as Troy Aikman, Chris Carter, Dan Fouts, Michael Irvin. Hall of Famers have been pushing for years to have a, more of a say in the process, and this cracks the door for them. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. I don't really like it, and I'll tell you why. I just think that it's putting these guys in too difficult situations. Number one, most of these Hall of Famers in the media they're talking about are on television uh, for the most part. And... How are they going to sit there on, on those, uh, in those studios and make the case that the guy sitting next to him doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame, right. uh, number one? And number two, how does it not begin to look like a campaign? Because you know they're going to ask <laughs> you're right. the guy. You know? Yeah, you're right. Uh, and, and when it comes to club employees, I agree with you with you know, uh, Jeff Hobson. Butchie's a friend of the show and friend of all of ours for many, many years. We had years. him on last week. Had him on last week, local guy from back east. Uh, all that, love him. But... He, the, he, guys like him in the, in the position they're in have got two problems. Number one, how do they go back to their team if they don't get player X in from their team? Number one, the, the pressure there. But the bigger one is, say they legitimately have an issue with some linebacker you know, who's up for the Hall of Fame, and we're debating him, and we're kicking it around the room, and he speaks out against the guy or asks questions against the guy. At the same time, he has a guy from his own team at the same position. There's going to be the immediate thought on the part of some people that, you know, it's a bag job, and I, and I just think they're putting them in a really difficult circumstance. Well, Bad I pressure. agree with you. And speaking of Butch Hobson, I mean, he covered Terrell Owens, and Terrell Owens played with the Bengals for one year, and he's up for the hall this year. I'll be curious, guys, where he stands on his candidacy because, as I said, Owens is up for the first time, and their people are saying he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I don't know where Jeff Hobson stands, but be curious to find out when we get in there in February. We, we uh, know where Derek, you stand. Yeah, I don't, don't get me started, Derek. I'll tell you who's also up. Our birthday boys. That's right, our birthday boys. So strike up the house band. Let's get to it. There they are. On Wednesday, October 14th, one of the all-time classiest guys on the planet, Hall of Famer Charlie Joyner. I covered him. I love the guy. Turned 68. While Edwin Pope's favorite Miami lineman, guard Bob Kuchenberg, Coach. joins Joyner. That's right. He joins Charlie. At 68 also. One difference, Cooch. Not in the Hall of Fame. On Thursday, October 15th, another guy who's not in the Hall, but maybe should be, Joe Klecko. He turns 62. Then on Saturday, October 17th, Paul Salata. Uh, people going, who? Yeah, the guy who runs Mr. Irrelevant in Newport Beach turns 89. While one day later, a couple guys people do know, Hall of Famer Mike Ditka. He turns 76, and Hall of Famer Forrest Gregg turns 82. 
Hey, Clark, Sunday is birthday heaven. Pick a birthday, any birthday. Chuck Berry from Music World, Martina Navratilova and Brittany Griner from the Sporting World, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Pam Dauber, Don Wells from Screen and Stage, Palin Bristol from, well, Alaska, and Lee Harvey <laughs> Oswald from the Pages of History. Did I leave any for you, Ron? Yes, you did, as a matter of fact. There may be no longer be a football reason to go back to New Orleans, but there's always one reason. My pal... Emerald, the great Cajun <laughs> Portuguese restaurant owner, started. He's my homeboy, Fall River guy. Started in a Portuguese bakery in Massachusetts. Then he did what he always says on his shows: kick it up a notch. <laughs> he went to Commander's Palace, became the executive chef there. And next thing you know, the rest is history. He owns six restaurants. He's all over the Food Network. He's got one in Vegas where I got a, a, a seat reserved whenever I show up there. So, and I bet he's cooking right now, cooking up some cakes for himself. Emerald, one of the greats. Yeah, he's cooking birthday cakes for all these people here. Anyway, congratulations to everyone on making it to another year. Not everyone, as we mentioned, made it to the hall, however. And this, of course, is their chance to have their cases heard. It's called State Your Case, which we have each week. And today, we're going to have Ron, appropriately enough, arguing the case of former coach Clark Shaughnessy, founder of the T-Formation and member of the College Football Hall of Fame. Ronnie, let's see what you got. I can, I can tell you guys, you know, I've been long a supporter for, for Clark Johnson. He may be the most innovative football mind ever. He was a cranky ascetic who invented both the modern T formation and the blitzing defenses that would help regain control of it after the T swept across pro and college football in the 1940s. Three times he was a pro football Hall of Fame finalist in 1970, 75, and 76. His contributions to the explosive growth in the importance of the quarterback now seem to be a forgotten, however. That's a sad consequence of the passage of time, uh, I think, and the decreasing interest in, really, the history of the game. He's known as the father of the modern T because he took over the dormant Stanford program in 1940 after he had installed the T at the University of Chicago with tremendous success in the 30s. At that time, he was also advising the Bears and George House to take Sid Luckman and make him a T-formation quarterback, which they did, and he went to the Hall of Fame. In 1940, while at Stanford, he went 10-0, defeated number 7-ranked Nebraska in the Rose Bowl to win the national championship. At the same time, he was advising the Bears and devising their offensive game plan for the uh, NFL championship game against the Washington Redskins. He designed a series of counterplays off the T formation with men in motion to fool the Redskins linebackers. All worked to a T. Bears win 73 to nothing. Those combined successes resulted in the T formation spreading across pro football. By 1944, more than half the college and football teams in the country were running it. And by 1949, every NFL team but one, the lowly Steelers, had abandoned the single and double wings in favor of Shaughnessy's T formation. He was a head coach for two years in, 48, uh, in uh, uh, 49 with the Los Angeles Rams, where he won the Western Conference Championship and also got himself fired because he was so hard to get along with. He, he went back to the Bears, became a defensive coordinator, hired by George Hallis, to now combat the T formation, which he did successfully. If Clark Shaughnessy doesn't have a place in Canton, I don't know who does because he changed the game and he created the quarterback position. No T formation coming up here, Ronnie. We've got a two-minute drill coming up, and I'm going to be running today's lightning round. So, guys, let's get ready. Derek, get that clock rolling. Here we go. If Andy Dalton is the early MVP, who's second? Tom Brady, only starting quarterback without an interception. He doesn't beat himself, so no one beats the Patriots. Yes. Oh, God. Julio Jones, he's on pace to catch over 130 passes for over 1,700 yards and more than a dozen touchdowns and finally show the Falcons how to fly. 
Tom Brady calls Coke and Frosted Flakes poison for kids. What do you call them? Breakfast. <laughs> Mm-mm, good. <laughs> What's the prognosis with Kansas City sans Jamal Charles? Kansas City is now officially a baseball town again. Uh, Charkandrick West is not the answer, that's for sure. Alex Smith is the number two rusher on their team. Pretty soon he's going to be the number one rusher on their team. Golden Tate says fans turn their backs on the Lions. You blame them? Last time Lions started 0-5, they went 0-16. If I'm a Lions fan, that would scare me. <laughs> the Bible says avert your eyes to sin and chaos. So why would you be looking at the Lions? <laughs> if you're Miami, whom do you hire as your head coach for 2016? Jim Schwartz, he's the only guy to get in that Domicon suit to play. <laughs> Nick Saban, everybody deserves a second chance. If I'm starting a Hall of Fame for team mascots, who or what should be my first inductee? Quit with these trick questions. Sparty. Oh, Spartacus. Easy answer, Clark. A one-eyed pirate. <laughs> What's more shocking? Detroit, 0-5. Baltimore, 1-4. Or no more nudity in Playboy. <laughs> Clearly no more nudity of Playboy. No reason to buy it now. <laughs> Wrong. Baltimore. Who pays attention to Playboy or the Lions anymore? <laughs> you canceled your subscription, Ron? <laughs> What's the deal with all those injuries to Chargers offensive linemen? Can't stay healthy. <laughs> Not much gets by you, Goose. They got to do what Tom <laughs> Brady does. <laughs> Eat cold when it's hot and hot when it's cold. Problem is it's never cold in San Diego. <laughs> Who is more of a threat with his legs, Justin Tucker and Dominican Sue or Chase Utley? Utley. Sue's never broken anyone's bones yet. Tucker, when his leg misfires, people get fired. The NFL wants to expand replay reviews. Like it or loathe it? Expand replay. I want to eliminate replay. Loathe it. They should disband replay reviews and just play the games. That's the end of our first hour, but don't go anywhere. When we return, we'll have Card's summer assistant, Jen Welter, the man who broke the flake gate, Bob Kravitz, and this week's residential debate with Rick and Ron. You'll listen to the Talk of Fame Network. One more reminder that we're brought to you by MyCleanPC. By now, you should know that if your computer is running slowly, you should go to MyCleanPC.com for a free analysis. In minutes, you can download MyClean computer software to clean out what's bogging down your computer. That's MyCleanPC.com. Hi, Tom Bodette. These days, the Internet is full of quizzes to find out what kind of fruit you are or what movie character you're most like or what state you belong in. Well, take it from this tangerine space cop who apparently belongs in Alaska. You won't find any quizzes at Motel6.com. Just lots of clean, comfortable rooms for the lowest price of any national chain. Now, let's see. Am I more like a mild Swiss or a smoked Gouda? Well, I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. If your computer is running slow, go to MyCleanPC.com and get a free computer diagnosis. In minutes, you can activate MyCleanPC software to clean out the junk that may be slowing down your computer. Increase your computer speed today with MyCleanPC.com. That's MyCleanPC.com. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at SimpleGreen.com. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. Welcome back to our number two of the Talk of Fame Network. 
where we cover mm, fame, blame, game, and sometimes, yes, sometimes even shame. There is, of course, no shame in what we have lined up for you this hour. We'll speak to Jen Welter, the female assistant who worked with the Arizona Cardinals this summer, and that's as part of our salute to women in the NFL as part of our Breast Cancer Awareness Month series, as well as speak to Bob Kravitz of WTHR in Indianapolis. You say, who's Bob Kravitz? He's the guy who broke the deflate gate story, which is appropriate. Free Brady! Considering that the Colts and Patriots are meeting for the first time since the AFC Championship game. But first, let's go to our weekly hall, guys, and that's the Hall of Fame. And yeah, okay, shame. Take your pick. Me? I'm starting with the best of what we just witnessed, and that would be, surprise, Ron, Tom Brady's performance yeah. the first five yeah. weeks. The envelope, please. 11 touchdowns, no interceptions, four wins, no losses, and oh yeah, by the way, one decisive, TKO over Commissioner Roger Goodell. Hey, I love you! I say it every year, and I'll say it again, you vote for this guy for MVP any season, any season, and you can't go wrong. He does more with less than anyone out there. Clark, let me seat one at the table of shame. Referee Tony Corrente. In the second week of the season, he assessed the Cowboys a franchise record 18 penalties and threw 26 total flags in the Dallas-Philadelphia game, marching off 200 yards. Two weeks later, his crew blew the call on the goal line in the closing minute of a battered ball that denied the Detroit Lions an upset of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, Tony, if you're going to call all those penalties one week, then know the rules the next. Wow. Ouch. Man, that's a little rough, Goose. This is a friendly place here. This is like, you know. <laughs> okay, like, Mr. Happy, you're up. It's like Disney World. <laughs> uh, Clark, you know, you're my great and good friend, as we all know. But man, no, I'm like, not. You're no, like a I'm broken not. record, bro. You <laughs> are a broken record. Oh, my God. As for me, I like the new changes. Tyrod Taylor. Guy comes in, no experience. He's completing 70.1% of his throws. He has more than twice as many touchdowns as interceptions. He's rushed for touchdowns. He's done it all under duress, having been sacked 14 times. The guy single-handedly won last Sunday's game for the Bills by doing what? Bringing him back from behind by throwing a touchdown pass and running for a touchdown. And now Rex Ryan says he's sore and achy. Well, no kidding. Protect him. Tyrod <laughs> Taylor. Well, I'm not running for a touchdown. I'm running to Goose's Hall of Shame, which is where I've been most of my career. Ryan. Yes, you have. Yeah, but I'm taking some guests with me this time, and those guests would be the members of the Baltimore Ravens defense. Each year, as you know, we vote for the league's defensive player of the year, all three of us, and I'm thinking about casting my vote this season for Terrell Suggs of the Baltimore Ravens. With him, yeah, Baltimore was a legitimate Super Bowl threat, but without him, they stink. They've not only blown three fourth-quarter leads, they just turned Cleveland's Josh McCown into Otto Graham, the ranked 24th in yards allowed, 24th in pass defense, and he 25th in points. In short, it's just not very good. Clark, I'm changing directions. I'm going to give a Hall of Fame nod to Clark's favorite whipping boy, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh. In particular, the Cincinnati offensive line. The Bengals are unbeaten and rank second in the NFL in offense. Wait till January, Goose. Our regular listeners may find it hard to believe, given all the bashing they've heard from Clark this fall of this team and their uh, their quarterback, Andy Dalton. But that offensive line line has held three defenses without a sack, 
and has opened the holes for the Bengals to rank in the top 10 in rushing. So take a bow, Bengals, and take a back seat, Clark. You know what Andy Dalton calls me? He hate me. <laughs> and for yeah, good exactly. reason. And for I'm, good reason. Wait till January, guys. Oh, God. Unbelievable. Let the guy up. Well, for me, it's uh, my little hollow shame is Endemican Sioux. Now, I happen to live in a place, uh, near a place, that was once the bank robbing capital of the world. You want to steal money, <laughs> rob a bank. Don't rob a football team. <laughs> the guy wanted to be the game's highest paid defensive player. He is. Now he's also the game's most overpaid defensive player. He's not the whole problem in Miami. When you show up in sneakers for a padded practice, you're the antithesis of leadership. <laughs> no wonder they stink. You stink. Oh, I'm going to stay in your Hall of Fame and your Hall of Shame. Ron, I'm staying with Roger Goodell, and I'm putting him in, yeah, the Hall of Shame. Wow. On further view, he said he would not have treated Deflategate or, guess who, Tom Brady differently. To which I ask, huh? What? What part of Judge Berman don't you understand? You screwed the pooch. And Judge Berman's message was loud and clear. You should have handled it differently. And we're going to handle this segment differently. We're going to stop. When we return, please, we'll Jen Welter. Yeah, we're going to stop. We're going to talk to Jen Welter, who coached with the Arizona Cardinals this summer. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, Tom Bodette trying out this paleolithic diet. You know, the one where you eat the stuff cavemen used to eat? Well, right now, I just want to hunt and gather a pizza. For you, on the other hand, I recommend a steady diet of Motel 6, where you can get a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Sure beats this cave, not to mention the loincloth, which is draftier than I anticipated. Well, I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy for you to create your stunning website. Go to Wix.com and create your website today. It's easy and free. That's Wix.com. This is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank hearing pitches from small businesses. Now there is a new way for small businesses to get a loan in minutes. It's called Cabbage. That's Cabbage with a K. Just fill out the application online. You'll get an instant decision and could have access to a line of credit of up to $100,000. No waiting, no hassle. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and is a Forbes Top 100 company. Go to Cabbage.com. That's Cabbage with a K. K-A-B-B-A-G-E. Or call 888-CABBAGE. Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network. Our next guest has broken more new ground lately than an international harvester. In the past two years, Jen Welter became the first woman to play running back for a professional men's football team, the first woman to be hired as a full-time coach, and the first to serve as a coaching intern in the NFL, which, of course, she did this summer with the Arizona Cardinals. A former rugby player at Boston College and holder of a Ph.D. in sports psychology, 
It's an honor to have Jen on the show as part of our month-long series on women in pro football. Jen Welter, thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. It's my pleasure. Wondering, of course, the natural question, uh, Jen, you know, what was your NFL experience like this summer with the Cardinals? Was you, you know, was it intimidating at first? Was it stressful? Was it uh, fun? Obviously, it was challenging. Uh, what was it like for you? You know, I had such a great experience with the Cardinals, start to finish. I really just have nothing but great things to say. I think Bruce Arians is one of the most progressive and, and best coaches in the NFL. I think he has one of the strongest staff who I can tell you, like personally, coming into what could have been a very difficult situation, they did their absolute best to make it clear to me that they were they were honored to have me and they were proud to be a part of history. I mean, they said it over and over and over. They're like, man, coach, we're part of history. Like, we're so excited. And the players followed suit. I mean, they really were amazing to me from start to finish. Not not a bad thing to say about anyone involved. I just absolutely love them. I consider them family, and there's nothing in the world I wouldn't do for any one of them. Jen, how did this opportunity come about? Did the Cardinals contact you? Did you contact them? Was there a middle man or a middle person in this? <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of funny because it, it all started when Bruce Arians, you know, made the comment at the owner's meeting after they had uh, hired Sarah Thomas to be the first full-time ref in the NFL. Someone asked him if he could ever see there being um, a woman coaching in the NFL, and he basically said, of course, why not? And, you know, from that, of course, it generated some some talk, some buzz. And I was coaching the Texas Revolution at the time, and I was talking to my head coach, Devin Wyman, about it. And, you know, he was like, well, we should call Bruce. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, we're just going to pick up the phone and call Bruce, which to me as an outsider would be pretty much impossible. But, you know, Devin was a former NFL player, and the rules were a little different to them. And he just looked at me, and he was like, can you get me his number? And I was like, I don't know. So I called up to the Cardinals, and I actually said that I was calling on behalf of Devin Wyman, which I was, obviously. I didn't tell them I was calling on behalf of Devin Wyman on behalf of myself. Um, <laughs> being a female athlete is a full-time hustle. So that day I was Devin's assistant as well as his assistant coach. And I spoke to uh, Wesley Goodwin, who is Bruce's assistant coach, and left a message for Bruce. And it was right before draft time. So, of course, he was like, yeah, probably will be a, a little time, but um, I know Bruce would love to talk to you. And I think it was something like two weeks later, Bruce called Devin back and, you know, basically was like, tell me all about her. From that conversation, um, Bruce later invited me to OTAs. I actually had another friend, Dave Diaz and Ponte, who had called me, and he had interned with the Cardinals previously. And he said, you know, I know you're coaching the revolution. Have you ever thought about doing the NFL internship? I think Bruce Arians would love you. And at this point, I had not even told anybody that Bruce had talked to Devin. And so it was kind of a confirmation. And I later got invited out to OTAs. And obviously, Bruce and I got along pretty well because then he later asked me to come in and do the internship. We're with Jen Walter on the Talk of Fame Network. And Jen, of course, worked this summer for the Arizona Cardinals. And Jen, as you mentioned earlier, you said it could have been a very difficult situation, but apparently it wasn't. You said you had an amazing time there. My question is, were you concerned that you wouldn't be taken seriously by the players and coaches? I mean, you're working in a male-dominated domain. So did that concern you? And if there was any kind of friction or, or problems, how long did that last? Or did it happen overnight, really? Well, first of all, let me just say, you know, it wasn't my first entree into 
professional football, though it wasn't the NFL. You know, I played with the men's team, and then I coached them. So right. I'd already been through some of that. And I'll say, you know, it, it's the highest level of football, and yet they gave me the highest level of respect. Like, these guys really were fantastic from start to finish. Any concerns that you could have had were pretty much alleviated by the fact that, you know, I had players coming up to me prior to, you know, even hitting the field, and they're like, man, Coach, we're so glad you're here. You know, we, we watched your highlight tape. Like, you really could ball. Like, can't wait to, to have you out there and just welcome. And, you know, they were very enthusiastic and very welcoming. And, you know, I might have had about two seconds of, like, gosh, is there going to be anything I can teach them? And then I think it, it literally lasted two seconds because we were in a drill. And I was like, hey, you know, you got to do X, Y, and Z. And all the guys kind of, like, smiled. And they're like, oh, she knows what she's talking about. And, and that was it. You know, it, it was really – there was not an oh-no moment or anything bad. Like, it, it really was just positive all the way across the board. I'm sort of wondering, ultimately, uh, Jen, you know, what your goal is if you have one. Is, it, is your goal to coach in the NFL? Is it to see the women's game grow? Where do you hope to you find yourself in, you know, five or ten years as it relates to football? Well, I don't think that's an either-or question. I certainly hope that the women's game will grow. Obviously, that's my foundation. That's my roots. And, and those women who are still, you know, working very hard to make that game possible are, are very close to my heart, and I, I do as much for them as I can. In terms of the NFL, oh, my gosh, I miss those guys every single day. You know, um, we still keep in contact, the coaches and the players, and, you know, as much as I am loving everything that I'm doing and, and being able to – you know, do a lot of motivational speaking and go into appearances and really uplifting people. It's a challenge because I, I absolutely miss them every single day. So it really depends on where the opportunities come next. You know, do I hope they're in the NFL? Of course I do. Who wouldn't? It's the highest level of football. But my whole football career has been obviously something that God had planned bigger than myself because I never had that doors open up and and to know that my, you know, my passion and my heart is is being in football, and that there's a reason why I was placed here, and I'm gonna do um, my best job to do everything I can for the game and the people who love it. Jen, you broke down one barrier by working in an NFL training camp. When will we see a woman on an NFL regular season sideline? How far off is that in the future? I don't think it's as far as you you would think it was. If you listen to um, Bruce Arians, you know, he said he would love to have me back. Would Bruce Arians, one of the best minds in football, say that if we were years and years apart? I mean, he said I took, I think he was quoted in one piece saying, you know, she took an, an opportunity and exceeded expectations by a thousand percent. You know, some people see that internship and think, oh my gosh, well, it was just an internship. Well, that, the guys that I was interning with had an average of nine years NFL experience. So how far off can it possibly be? It isn't. There are women who are head, head high school football coaches right now. So whether it's me or somebody else, I think that women and their knowledge and level of the game are better than people really know, and it just takes the right person to see that, believe it, and and go after it like Bruce did with me. Jen, did you leave a thumbprint on this team? Without a doubt. And what? I know that because, you know, they tell me all the time that they miss me. What thumbprint did you think you left on them, Jen? I mean, what, what difference did you think you made? You know, number one, I think that they were all very proud of how hard, you know, how well we did with a situation that outsiders didn't think was possible. But also, you know, the thing that I would like to say is that, you know, I received very good advice from a good friend of mine, Terry Glenn, 
and he coached with me at the Revolution. He would come out and help our receivers. And, you know, Terry's a very introverted person a lot of the times. And so when he says something, it usually has a big impact. And Terry said, Jen, my best advice that I can give you is be 100% authentic. Be exactly the person that you were here with us, and those guys would love you. Because if you try and be anything you're not, if you try and change yourself, they'll sense it and they'll eat you alive. And so with those guys, I was myself. I, you know, I've, I've known NFL guys for years and years, and I always thought it was so important that, you know, they were, they were appreciated not just as players or for performance statistics, but also for the people within the pad. And I took that approach, and I took it very seriously. And I did a lot of little things so that my guys would know, you know, how cared for they were. I think the biggest story that, you know, I probably never would have told anybody if one of my linebackers hadn't is that, you know, before the first preseason game and actually before all the games I was with them for, I wrote them all notes. And it was, you know, just personal stuff, stuff we had gone over in the week, you know, be the leader that you are, step up, take your destiny, you know, play and live in the moment, all of those things just to have like a moment of quiet and confidence right before you take the field. And, you know, I thought it was really hugely impressive and just amazing that, you know, Kevin Minter shared that with media and, and said how it was something he'd never experienced in his whole career and how much it meant to him to have that. I mean, that's Jen, pretty huge. Jen, you talked about Bruce Arians. You were on the inside. From your perspective, what makes him so successful? I mean, Indianapolis, he's coach of the year. He goes to Arizona, he's coach of the year. What makes him so successful? He has an ability. First of all, he has a love for people and, and seeing something in them, you know, and really being able to read them. And, and it's a lot psychology. I think that's a lot of what he likes about me. I think he said to somebody who's like, she just reads people. She knows what they need when they need it. And that's something that you'll see that Bruce is very good at. He's not an over-the-top talker. He sees the game within the game and the people within the past. He's very, you know, he's tough on people, but he also lets them know how much they mean. And, and there's always that balance with Bruce. You know, he is a guy's guy, a man's man, a people's person. Um, but he loves his game and he loves people. And he will really play the game, meaning, you know, he'll go after it. He won't take the gas pedal off just because, you know, they might be ahead a little bit. Like, he really has a zest for the game. And, you know, for the first time, he's really gotten the reins. Um, but there's, there is, in Bruce Arians, this talent. Um, and, and psychologically, he's just brilliant. You know, what he did in Indianapolis. I mean, I read about that. And as somebody in sports psychology, I don't think he could have done that situation any better. You know, saying the situation's still the same. This is still Chuck's team. I'm, I just get to make the, the call as to whether we go for it on fourth down or not. I mean, that was brilliant. He left the seat open for Chuck Siano in everything. Everybody who was around him knew um, that he had respect and love for this coach that he was stepping in for. And how could you not play for a man like that? And I think anybody around him, you know, would see that and be inspired by it. Plus, he just really believes in talent. Like, he will, he will pick a coach that maybe other people have given up on or other people haven't seen yet, and he'll give that guy the reins. Don't, don't get me wrong. He'll be there with him. He loves to put people in a position to really be great, and that's why his staff is so fantastic. 
Jen, unlike Bruce, we've got to take the past gas pedal also. We've got to go. But thanks, thanks for the time so much, and, and best of luck with your football future. Oh, you're so welcome, guys. Thanks, Jen. Appreciate we appreciate take care, it. Jen. That was Jen Welter, Absolutely. who coaches summer with the Arizona Cardinals. Up next, our residential debate with Rick and Ron. This is the Talk of Fame Network. As an entrepreneur, you're always on the go. So turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Get a new business number or keep your current one. Sound professional with a main greeting and multiple extensions that forward callers to your mobile phone. You can even get voicemails transcribed. Join over 150,000 small businesses who stay connected with Grasshopper. See how it works at grasshopper.com. The Entrepreneur's Phone System. If your computer is running slow, go to MyCleanPC.com and get a free computer diagnosis. In minutes, you can activate MyCleanPC software to clean out the junk that may be slowing down your computer. Increase your computer speed today with MyCleanPC.com. That's MyCleanPC.com. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at simplegreen.com. Only Wendy's makes a deal feel like a meal. Introducing the new four for four. Four bucks for the junior bacon cheeseburger with freshly cooked applewood smoked bacon, four all white meat nuggets, and natural cut sea salt fries and drink. That's right, just four bucks for a junior bacon cheeseburger, nuggets, fries, and a drink. That's one beefy, cheesy, sizzling, crispy, icy deal. Get more. Get four for four now at Wendy's. Offer includes small fries and drink at participating Wendy's for a limited time. Prices may vary. Offer not valid in Alaska and Hawaii. Football fans, get your Luxon and win at Luxor Las Vegas. Get in the game with first-string shows like Fantasy, The Strip's Sexiest Adult Review, Carrot Top, and Chris Angel Believe from Cirque du Soleil. Or tackle your hunger at restaurants like Public House, featuring comfort food, 20 brews on tap, and 30 flat panel TVs. LAX Nightclub helps you make all the right plays with the hottest resident DJs. When game time is done, our comfortable rooms and suites are the perfect end zone. Visit Luxor.com today. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. Just a reminder, the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Advanced Auto Parts and Car Quest. Great products, great people, and great prices. That's Advanced Auto Parts and Car Quest. We're also brought to you by MyCleanPC.com. If your computer runs slowly, whose doesn't? Just go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes... You can download software to cure what may be ailing your PC. That's mycleanpc.com. It's been an eventful week, guys. Uh, first, we had, as you know, Steve Spurs exit from South Carolina. Then we have Mike Tomlin rolling the dice and winning in a league that, uh, yeah, discourages gambling. And now, of course, we've had the Democratic debate in Ron's home away from home, Las Vegas. That's the good news. Bad news, we got 17 more debates to follow, honest. Oof. So wow. why do I mention that? Because we're going to run our own debate right here, right now, with our producer, Derek Burns, running the clock. Here are the ground rules. I'll ask a question, and you have 45 seconds to make a presentation. You hear me? No more than 45 seconds. You can take less, but no more. Then your opponent will have a chance for a 30-second rebuttal. With the original speaker, then given 15 seconds for a closing argument. Got that? Wow, this is like Wolf Blitzer. Let's go, Derek. Goose, you're first up. If you were an NFL owner, how would you vote on the Los Angeles relocation issue? Rams, Chargers, the Raiders, or a combination of the two? 
I'd let one team move to L.A. and see how it goes. If the city embraces the team, win or lose, I'd consider adding a second team. That would be three or four years down the road. I'd give the Rams my okay because they have the history in Los Angeles and because Stan Kroenke has the land and the money to put up a world-class facility. But I don't see the rush to move two teams to L.A. For 20 years, it didn't matter if the NFL had any teams in L.A. Now, everyone wants to move there. Not in my watch. Mr. Borges, you have 30 seconds to respond. Well, as usual, the gooser is half right. I would give it to Stan Kroenke as well because he's going to sue your ass if you don't. <laughs> he's got the land. He, can, he doesn't have a lease. He can do what he wants. And as you point out, Goose, quite correctly, they do have some history there, the Rams, good and bad. So I would, I would go with them. The, the only problem is Oakland's got no place to go because they're the worst stadium deal uh, in the league, and they'd like to get out of there. If you like the Raiders, you'd let them go. But we know the NFL doesn't, so we know they won't. Goose? Why don't we 15 just move, seconds for a close. Why don't we just move four teams to L.A. and have a division? <laughs> That'd be good. Anybody <laughs> wants to come, good. come on down. The, yeah, the taco division. It'd be great. <laughs> okay, Ron, you're next. Yes. You're Dean Blandino, head of NFL officiating. And no, you're not on the Cowboys bus. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> Too bad. So how do you fix what seems to be a never-ending series of officiating mistakes and, frankly, a never-ending series of penalties that bog down games? To me, that's easy. First, you admit the obvious. Sometimes we make mistakes. We're human beings, but we make less mistakes than the players and the coaches. It's a game of human beings, boys, not robots. Part of what makes history history is kicking around human frailty. We've got some of it. Number two, stop having a union meeting every time somebody throws a flag. Guy makes a, uh, throws the flag, referee goes up to him and says, what's the call? I don't need five other nitwits and striped shirts coming around there to argue about what it is. Make the call and move on. Number three, how about you let the defense play defense? You could do that, and then you could just disconnect the replay machine, and it would be a great game again. Mr. Goslin, your response. First off, I dump it to replay, let human error play its course out. And secondly, when the officials make a mistake, the league should, the league should own up to it. Players and coaches are held accountable on a daily basis in this league. Why not the officials? I, I'd have suspended the Tony Corrente crew for a week after that Detroit-Seattle debacle. Ron, next 15 seconds yours. My sense is, Goose, that what, the fact that Detroit is involved in this somehow is fueling your animus toward Corinthi. That's what I think. This is not really about officials. You don't care about that. It's just a Detroit thing. <laughs> it's not just the 15 seconds that are Ron's. It's the buzzer, too. <laughs> okay, Rick, you're next. Without Tony Romo and without Des Bryant, you're Dallas Cowboys are 0-3 and sinking fast. That's 0-3 without those two guys. How do you propose fixing them? There are no fixes on this campus. They don't have a quarterback or a wide receiver who can win a game for them. So what I do is go to a three wide receiver, three tight end set, Jason Witten, James Hanna, Gavin Escobar, go big. That should help you run the ball at least and also cause some coverage mismatches with bigger people on the field that defenses would be forced to play. The only way the Cowboys can survive will be to run the ball control the clock, and keep the other team's offense off the field and out of the end zone. Defenses don't respect their wide receivers, so play the tight ends. Mr. Borges, your response. First, having just been in Dallas, this is clearly a team that needs inspiration, not just players. They need the inspiration, Goose. So the first thing I would suggest is a public sacrifice in front of the stadium of Brandon <laughs> Whedon. Just bring him out there, set up the place on fire, and that's it. That guy is terrible. That would mollify the fans. Some of the players would say so good. Uh, and then you can put Matt Castle in there. You might have an outside chance to do something. 
Goose. Let's see or your clothes. Hire Clark Shaughnessy and go to back to the single wing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ronnie, you're up next. Russell Wilson is, as you know, one of the best quarterbacks on the run in the NFL. On the run. Yet even with his mobility, he's on track to be sacked 70. Yes, count him 70 times. How do you propose plugging the leaks in an offensive line that threatens the longevity of Seattle's most important player on offense? First, I tell him to run faster. Such a good runner. Run faster. <laughs> Secondly, how about you do what real quarterbacks do? Get rid of the ball. Get rid of the ball faster. The guy running around, stop it. I know you love him. It's like a love for the mini Brady and all that. The guy is overrated. He's an overrated. He's a good player. He's not a great player. Second, Mr. who says Castle. he's one of the oh, best? No, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, who's second, who says he's one of the best quarterbacks? He's part of the problem there. He's not part of the solution. What? Brady gets rid of the ball in less than two seconds. This guy autographs it before he throws it. Get rid of the ball. <laughs> I, I, I got to agree with Ron. Take a cue from Brady against the, last, the Cowboys' last two quick pass. Get the ball out of your hand before the rush can get there. But that would entail Wilson throwing from the pocket, and that's not his strength. He needs to be on the move to make plays. But the more he moves, the better chance of him taking a hit. And too many hits on a small-bodied quarterback are not good for his future. Steve Young learned to throw from the pocket. It's time Wilson. Ron, 50 seconds for a close. Simple solution to this for Russell Wilson. Sit down and watch some tape of Tyrod Taylor. There's no debating where we're going now. Hopefully, we're going to get that buzzer out of Derek's hands. But it's time for Borges or... Bogus. Ron, I understand you're addressing your two favorite interests outside of the Raiders this time. That would be boxing and boxing. Want to tell us about it? (laughs) You're right. Uh, In the first four games of the season, Viking cornerback Xavier Rhodes committed seven penalties, leaving him second in the league in malfeasance. Monday, he was left wearing boxing gloves at practice. The decision to leave Rhodes unable to use his hands to play defense was explained to him by his position coach, Jerry Gray, in simple terms. Now you can't grab your nitwit. As a way to break a young player of a costly bad habit, the Vikings' choice was not bogus. It was brilliant. But it was also a sign of the times that it had to be made clear to him that Gray wasn't insulting him. His teammate, Captain Munnerlein, that's his name, not his position, <laughs> Explained to the media, he was a physical guy, so the decision to outfit him like Mike Tyson was a good one. But he was quick to add his teammates were joking around with him during practice, and they made clear, quote, it's not a coach insulting you, unquote. What in the name of Vince Lombardi is going on in the NFL? First, they outlaw defense. Now they outlaw insults. Mary Poppins will be playing defense next. Bogus. Can you imagine Lombardi, widely regarded as the game's greatest coach, saying to Herb Adderley, uh, excuse me, Herbert, I don't mean to be critical. What you're grabbing out there, I was wondering, what might be going on out there? Is this something we've said or done? We'd prefer you not grab, grab, grab. But understand, this is not criticism. Just a suggestion. Oh, no, I think not. Beneath his stormy surface flowed the warm tide of compassion and kindness. What the hell's going on out here? Everybody grabbing out there. Nobody's touching. Get grabbing, everybody. Now that's not bogus. That's coaching. Imagine Judge Don Shula respectfully requesting young Rhodes refrain from being overzealous in his efforts to maintain his position in pass coverage. If it's not too much to ask. Bogus. 
Insults from coaches used to be as much a part of pro football as whistleblowing. Now, if you blow the whistle, you first have to check to make sure no players have a hearing issue. And when it, and when it comes to what the hell's going on out there, the answer is, Coach, please watch the abusive language. <laughs> which, le- which leads me to wonder two things, guys. Will boxing gloves help Xavier Rhodes stop committing penalties, or should Jerry Gray have taken him out for ice cream instead? Ron, did your editors ever tell you to wear boxing gloves while you're typing your story? And if they did, would you have been insulted? Combination, left hook, right hand, and that would have been the end of that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Ron, I want to know, where did you find that audio clip of Vince Lombardi? (laughs) Love me some Vince Lombardi. That's the classic, classic Vince Lombardi. That's what a coach is supposed to do. Not asking your permission to speak with him. Well, there's nothing bogus about what's next, and you're not going to ask my permission. It's called a commercial. When we return, it's Bob Kravitz and Deflategate Part 2. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC.com. If your computer runs slowly, and whose computer doesn't, just go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software to cure what may be ailing your PC. That's MyCleanPC.com. Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. The following was recorded at a Burger King drive through at breakfast. Good morning. Welcome to Burger King. Hey, sweet pea. Uh, I'm going to get the two for $4 bacon, egg, and cheese for sandwich. Dude. Well, I've never heard that before. What, sweet pea? No, the way you pronounce croissant <laughs> Oh my. Oh my, you love it, or oh my, just give me my breakfast. Piled high with thick cut bacon or savory sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted cheese. Get two Chris Sandwich breakfast sandwiches for just $4, only at Burger King. And try them with our smooth roast, Seattle's best coffee. Limited time only. Price and participation vary. It's Lisa G here. Do you freak out every time you break out? Well, I've got one word for you. Proactive. There's a huge reason Proactive is the number one acne treatment in the country. It totally works. Prescription-grade Proactive heals your acne, even prevents future breakouts. How great is that? There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And I'm telling you, it's time to get it because Proactive has set up a special dedicated 800 number for my listeners. So get ready to Punch that number into your phone. Pull over if you got to. Here's the deal. 1995 gets you proactive. Plus a rotating deep cleansing brush. It's valued at $45, but it's yours free. So is the shipping. For only 1995, you, my friends, are guaranteed to get clear and stay clear. Or you'll get your money back. Here's the number. 1-800-644-5944. Call for a lifetime of beautiful skin. Tell them Lisa G sent you. Call 1-800-644-5944. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. Well, the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper and get a local or toll-free number or just bring your own. Want to see how it works? I know I do. Just go to grasshopper.com. We started this show by plugging this Sunday's New England Indianapolis game, the first time these two have met since last year's conference championship game. And you know, I say, so what? You say, so what? Well, so that was the game that started the whole deflate gate mess with the Patriots, Tom Brady. Free Brady! 
and all of us held hostage by the alleged scandal until Judge Richard Berman came to the rescue. I mention that because we now have Bob Kravitz of WTHR in Indianapolis. Bob's a longtime columnist and a friend of all of ours as a guest. And Bob's the guy who broke the story that became the only subject anyone was interested in during the offseason. Bob, thanks for joining us. I'm sorry. That's all I have to say is I'm sorry I started all this. <laughs> well, you should be. You kept Ron busy in the offseason. Hey, Bob, when you first broke the flake did you have any idea what it was about to become? In other words, did you think you just stumbled upon the NFL's version of Watergate? You know, I knew it would be a big deal because any time uh, a team heading to the Super Bowl is being investigated for possible cheating, especially the Patriots, given the whole Spygate pedigree, I knew it was going to be a big deal, but I thought it would be a couple of weeks where they could sort of objectively measure whether the balls were uh, deflated or not, and they can make a decision based on that. The fact that they convened the Wells report, and it took, what, seven, eight months, and they, you know, they pointed uh, the finger at Brady and Jastrzemski and McNally and ended up in, uh, in federal court. That was shocking to me. I thought it would be a, a month-long process at the most. The fact that it, it ended up being what it was uh, was shocking to me. Hey, Bob, were you surprised by the end result? I was. Um, when, when it started out, you know, at least talking with uh, Michael McCann and uh, reading Lester Munson and some other people, they seemed to think that it would be very, very difficult based on legal precedent for a judge to overturn. But once we heard the way the thing was was moving on and the questions that Berman was asking, specifically of the NFL, it became clearer and clearer to me that this guy was, uh, you know, inclined to rule in favor of the Patriots and the NFLPA, which is why I wrote after the first or second uh, settlement uh, meeting that I really felt like the NFL should try to come to some kind of a deal and save face with Brady. So, like I say, when it started out, I thought it would be a tough go for the NFL or the NFLPA and Brady. But once things got going, I thought it became abundantly clear that uh, Berman was definitely siding with the Brady with the Brady people. Well, Bob, we've been friends a long time, uh, but I must have to confess that. Uh... This was such a firestorm that, like St. Peter, I had to deny you three times before the cock crowed every time I came out of my house here in, in, in Boston. <laughs> but I'm, no, I don't know the guy. No, I don't know what happened to him. No. You never saw never him. Never heard of him. <laughs> Who was he again? Hockey player? Nah. What do you think, now that it's all sort of quasi said and done, we'll see what the appeals court says, but what do you sort of believe in your heart uh, or from your reporting or both? Really went on in, in, that day. In my in my heart, I think they took a needle to the ball, uh, or to the balls. Uh, I think that um, you know, uh, based on everything I've read, and I've read virtually everything over and over, including on a beach in the Bahamas, that made my wife tell me to put the stupid thing down. Uh, <laughs> that that there was some underhanded subterfuge involved. That in fact they tried to. Um, deflate the football, there's a reason why, uh, according to the Wells report, eight out of the 11 balls were under the number that the uh, ideal gas law would have predicted. You know, was it the crime of the century? Was it the Lindbergh baby kidnapping? No. But, 
you know, I, I do think that uh, they were trying to do something underhanded. And the fact is they're still dealing with two lost draft choices and a million-dollar fine, which uh, Robert Kraft uh, accepted, um, not happily, but accepted. So uh, I, I still think that they are guilty of having tried to game the system. We're with Bob Kravitz of WTHR in Indianapolis. And Bob, of course, is the reporter who broke the Deflategate story. And, Bob, we're talking Colts-Patriots. I think we all know how the Patriots feel about this game, to me, I think. I think it's basically payback time, and there's going to be hell to pay. Two questions. One, what are you expecting? And then secondly, is this more than just a game? Is this a morality play, good versus evil? Oh, absolutely. That's, that's what I wrote the other day. I think this is, this is a morality play, depending on, on which side of the fence you, you reside, depending on your, uh, on your zip code. You know, if, if you're a New Englander, then you feel like you've been screwed by overzealous journalists like me uh, and, and or overzealous. Ron. Or Ron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, an imperious commissioner who had it out for them. If you're a Colts fan, you feel like these guys are are the epitome of evil uh, in the league. So, absolutely, it's a morality play. But I, I honestly, guys, I have not come up with a scenario that suggests to me that the Colts can, you know, forget about beat these guys, but even compete with them. The way they're playing right now, and it seems to be kind of a scorched earth uh, deal, like after the 2007 Spygate, uh, they're just playing so well. And the Colts, quite frankly, since Andrew Luck has been in the lineup, they've had one good quarter. And that was in the fourth quarter against Tennessee when they came back and outscored them 21 to six, and that's with an interception as well, so that helped. But I mean, the Colts have not played really good sound football this whole season, except for that game against uh, Houston when a you know beat up old 40 year old quarterback with a with a bacterial infection I thought played out of his mind. Hey, take it easy there. He's a New England kid. Come on, he's beating <laughs> us up again. Hey, Bob, quick Love question. Love that guy. Love hey, that Bob, guy. Hey, Bob, quick question. Quick question. Brady or Manning? Oh, my God. It's not even close. It's Brady. Thank it's you. Brady. I mean, uh, I've said that for years and years and years. And while I don't put everything in the postseason, I put a hell of a lot in the postseason. And the fact of the matter is that for years and years, Peyton Manning was surrounded by some of the best skill position people in the league, how many pro bowlers has, and I don't know the answer, I think it's two, how many pro bowl players has Tom Brady had uh, as a wide receiver or as a running back? I think it's Randy Moss and maybe Wes Walker, you know, but he hasn't had Reggie Wayne, he hasn't had Dallas Clark, he hasn't had Marvin Harrison, he hasn't had Edron James, it's not even close. Bob, you should know that sound. It means we're deflating this interview. Thanks for joining oh, us. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, and good luck in that foxhole this weekend. <laughs> I'll do my very best. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Thanks, Bob. Bob. Thank you. That was Bob Kravitz of WTHR in Indianapolis, and this is our two-minute drill. I'm going to ask the questions, and Derek's going to run the clock, and guys, let's get started. Colin Kaepernick says the last place 49ers can still finish 12-4. and four. How about you? Can, yes, will, no. He must have been a math major at Nevada Reno because he's right. Of course, the Lions can finish 11-5, and five too. 
Seattle's Michael Bennett holds JFK's assassination against Matt Stafford because Stafford is from Dallas. Excuse me, huh? If that's the case, I'm assuming Tony Corrente's officiating crew held it against Stafford as well. <laughs> Sounds like time for a concussion protocol in Seattle. Why did it take 60 years for Bruce Arians to land an NFL head coaching job? I think that 27-39 record as head coach at Temple in the 80s must have set Bruce's career back. Look, he wears unconventional hats. He's a free thinker and a nice guy. Who wants a guy like that coaching your team? Ponce de Leon never found the fountain of youth in Florida. So where did Charles Woodson locate it? Well, as Ron can attest, you can find a lot of things in the black hole. Some good, some bad. That's right. He found it in Oakland, where the future is now. <laughs> Larry Fitzgerald, Hall of Fame or Hall of Very Good? If Drew Pearson, Cliff Branch, and Henry Ellard can't get a sniff, then I say Hall of Very Good. Ooh, this is a tough call. He's going to be in the top ten in everything by the time he's done. He played on a winner, it'd be different, but it's going to be hard for him. Looks like the Legion of Boom is AWOL. So what do we call Seattle's defense now? The Seattle Matadors. Ooh, very good. Cavern of Doom. Adrian Peterson told us he wants to break Emmett Smith's rushing record. What are his chances? Slim. He's already lost a year of his prime. He plays until he's 37 like he told us he wants to. He'd have to average 1,113 yards for seven years. I don't like his chances. Long walk to glory. It's a bad year for Lions, guys. First Cecil, then Detroit. What's next? The collapse of perennial CFL power, the BC Lions. They won't even make the playoffs this year. MGM goes broke. When does Ron Borges enter the Patriots' ring of honor? Right after Vito Babe Parilli. <laughs> Wrong. Right after Rex Ryan. <laughs> we want to thank Tom Flores, Jen Welter, and Bob Kravitz for joining us, Derek Burns for producing us, and you for listening to us. If you'd like to hear this or any podcast, just go to our website, talkoffamenetwork.com, or listen to us on iTunes. Otherwise, tune into this station at this time next week. We'll look for you then. Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, it's not enough to go on a weekend jog. Nowadays, so-called fun runs have barbed wire, mud bogs, and flaming hoops. Can poison blow darts be far behind? But Motel 6 is a safe stop in the long or short run. Always a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Book online at motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Ow, was that a blow? If your computer is running slow, go to MyCleanPC.com and get a free computer diagnosis. In minutes, you can activate MyCleanPC software to clean out the junk that may be slowing down your computer. Increase your computer speed today with MyCleanPC.com. That's MyCleanPC.com. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at SimpleGreen.com. Simple Green. 